0: Verses tonight, Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, 19 and 20. I do not pretend to know the wisdom of God, it is far larger and more in depth than I would ever know, but I hope that something here tonight would at least cause you to reflect on the magnitude of His wisdom. Proverbs three nineteen and 20. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, He established the heavens. By His knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. Now, you may think that I'm making my story a bit too large, that's fine, but I think it is good that we should observe and think about the works of God, His wisdom. The year was 2003 or 4 or 2, just give or take a year. There's a lady, she's a very special lady in this church. Her name was Louise Melville, and uh, her and her husband David, as you know, came by my house one day and uh in my yard there was well nothing not a plant not a tree just dead grass in an old house right and they brought me some trees they brought me three pine trees and they brought me a Bradford pear little bitty seed, little bitty trees and we planted them three pine trees the one in the backyard died I don't know why it died but it died I hated it but it's gone And the one right in the front yard began to die and there's four pine trees beside me in my neighbor's yard and his trees were this big around. All four of them died and one in my front yard died. Me and my dad cut it down. And so this happens over the course of almost 20 years. But one pine tree lived and now the base of that thing is about that big around. You can drive by and see it's really big, really tall. It's a big tree. Well, God's providence, God's wisdom laid it upon Louise and David to bring those trees by plant them in the ground, and God, by His wisdom, provided life for that one pine tree that lived and sustained it over two decades. And all that time, I did nothing. I didn't water it. I didn't cultivate it. God took care of His own tree for all those years. This is what I do know about pine trees, is they like to lose their needles. And you have to, if you want your yard to be clean, you've got to go out and you've got to rake needles or they just pile up. And so, I come back from vacation and, well, it's that time. You got to rake pine needles. And so, in the wisdom of God, unbeknownst to me, I'm raking pine needles. As I'm raking pine needles, I hear the distinct sound of a diesel truck running out of fuel. Just happens to run out of fuel while I'm raking the pine needles. Right there on Portwood, it comes to a stop. Within one minute. I'm out there saying, sir, do you need some help? And he's like, where'd you come from? I mean, he hadn't even got out of the truck yet to figure out how to get this thing going, you know. And I said, sir, do you want me to tow your truck? And he's like, well, if you want to. (laughs) So I get my truck, I hook onto the truck. Where do you live? I just live a half mile down the road. You go down that little dip, you know where that's at? Oh, yeah, I know where that's at. Go right up the other side and on the left, there's a gate there. And I tow his truck down to his house. We go in the gate. Pull in his driveway. I tell him about Jesus. I give him a gospel track. The wisdom of God. I didn't do this. God orchestrated all of this that on that day the pine needles would be there so that I would be ready and outside when the guy's truck run out of fuel beside my house. I'm not that smart, I assure you. These things happen all the time. And we don't sometimes see them or realize them. But God is infinitely wise. You say, well, what's the end of the story? I have no idea. He didn't come to church this morning. I invited him, of course. He didn't come. but That's beside the point. He knows the gospel. He has a gospel track in his possession. Talk to him. God can do, if God can keep the tree alive for that point, he can do whatever he wants to do with that man. Well, that's my story. I may have another one tonight, but that's one. But let's think about the weather and wisdom, primarily because of the last line in verse 20, the clouds drop down the dew. And I want you to listen to just a little bit of a speech out of the Bible from the book of Job. In the book of Job in chapter 38, and this is just a part of the speech, listen to what is said in Job. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I'm going to question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who who determines its measurements? Surely you know. Or or who stretched the line upon it? Or, Or What were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far you shall come, no farther And here shall your proud waves be stayed. Yeah, it's just important to me. and I understand a little bit about construction. But if I want to hold water in, I'm going to make a wall with concrete. God held in the whole ocean with a wall of sand. That's beyond my comprehension. Later, God questions Job about the weather. Who has cleft a channel for the torrents of rain and a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on a land where no man is, on the desert in which there is no man, to satisfy the waste and desolate land to make the ground sprout with grass? Has the rain a father? Or who has begotten the drops of dew? From whose womb did the ice come forth? And who has given birth To the frost of heaven, the waters become hard like stone and the face of the deep is frozen. Can you lift your voice to the clouds that a flood of waters may cover you? Can, Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are. Who has put wisdom in the inward parts, are given understanding to the mind. Who who can number the clouds by wisdom? Who who can tilt the water skins of the heavens when the dust runs into a mass and the clods stick fast together? The wisdom of God controls all of these things. They are beyond us. In our text, Simply and clearly tonight, the Lord's wisdom, I just want you to see a couple of things. Verse 19 says, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. Since that is true, what does it mean? It means that wisdom existed before creation because creation came out of wisdom, so wisdom is an eternal matter. And wisdom is a characteristic of God. In order to be God, you would have to be infinitely wise. So out of his infinite wisdom, creation comes forth. Or, if you want it in a, in a worldly uh, explanation example, have you ever seen those guys that take a piece of wood and a chainsaw and they cut it all out and it makes some kind of object or statue, it's pretty. And you ask the guy, "How do you do this?" And he says. I just envision what I want and I take away everything I don't need. It existed in the architect before it came out in production. It's the same way. All of creation and all of its intricacies existed in God for all of eternity by wisdom and then one day they burst, for, burst forth from his spoken word into being. What was in God became exhibited in Creation. Then, also in verse nineteen, the Lord's work. So we have wisdom is eternal, and then we have the foundation of the earth, and we also have the establishment of the heavens. The wisdom of God. All you can do is marvel if you see it rightly. You you must at least ask the question: You're going to create the earth. What are you going to found it upon? You read in the New Testament, you know, you need a a stone foundation. You sure don't want to build it on sand. Well, well, what is God, what did he found the earth upon? Well, that's quite simple. Nothing. He founded the earth upon nothing. Job 26, verse 7. He stretches out the north over the void, and he hangs the earth on nothing. Here's a good plan. We'll build something that's really large that will exist for thousands of years and we'll establish it on nothing. The wisdom of God. In Psalm 91.3, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He is put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Obviously, because it sits on nothing. He established not only the earth, he established the heavens. He fixed the stars in their orbits. Exactly what does it take for the entire universe to exist, rotate, and move at its distances for all of these years and to stay in orderly form for all of this time? Well, let's begin with this. This is what Moses said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens, that way we can separate day from night. Let them be signs for seasons and days and years. Let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. Don't you love this phrase? And it was so. God said it. And it was so. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. And he made all the stars. Just spoke it all into existence, the wisdom of God. The psalmist says in regards to the heavens, Psalm 136, 5, to him by understanding made the heavens. Why would he do that? Well, quite simply, because his steadfast Love endures forever. God's so loving that he created all things as a display of his glory that we may marvel at the wisdom of God. Now, you may think I'm picky. That's fine. But that's one of the reasons, if you want to get me upset, is just start talking about Mother Nature. We're in a fight already. Mother Nature's not getting credit and taking the place of the wisdom of God. So I'm there camping at my campground. I'm minding my own business. I really am. The guys pull up on motorcycles. They pop a tent. They camp in their tent. And they wake up and it's raining. And they're out there in the rain. I'm over here roughing it in my camper, right? And I go out and I say, man, I didn't even know it's going to rain. And the guy says, yeah, you never can figure out what Mother Nature is going to do. It's on. <laughs> Mother Nature got nothing to do with this rain. I give them the exposition of the wisdom of God that he creates the weather and he brought the rain. Conversation over. The prophet Jeremiah, I won't read it twice, but he says it twice. Jeremiah 10, 12, Jeremiah 51, 15. Jeremiah says this, it is he who made the heavens. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom and by his understanding. <laughs> you got to love the terminology. He, terminology. he just stretched out the heavens stretched them out as this canopy. Jeremiah says, look, I know who God is. I I look at all of this, and God stretched this out for me to behold his glory. Behold the wisdom of God. Now, this establishment of earth and heaven, this display on earth and heaven. Think about this. The earth declares God's knowledge. Look there in the text. By his knowledge, verse 20, The deeps broke open. The deeps broke open, displayed on earth. If you'll turn, and we'll do this later, and this is going to be a massive exercise later, but in Proverbs chapter 8, Proverbs chapter 8, it's going to be a lengthy sermon when we get there, but I just want you to see the text, just this one excerpt. In Proverbs 8, verse 24, in regards to wisdom being displayed, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth. Before he had made the earth with its fields or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. On earth, the wisdom of God displayed. Now watch, you want the exclamation mark? Of the declaration of the wisdom of God on earth, you will find it personified in the person of his son. His son on earth is a declaration of the infinite wisdom of God. In Genesis 1 as well, Genesis 1, verse 9, let the waters and the heavens be gathered together into one place, let the dry land appear. And it was so. God God called the dry land earth, and the waters were gathered together. He called seas. And God said that it was good. It's good because God created it, right? Now, go back to Job 38 one more time. In Job 38 Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band band, and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far you shall come and no further, here your proud waves are to be stayed. Have, Have you ever commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? God does all of these things on earth. Let me give you one more. Not to belabor it, but in Psalms 104, verse 8. The mountains rose. You ever thought about that? You ever thought you go out here to a place and there's this huge mountain over here and there's not one over here. And we're told in evolution that the water subsided and the water cut away. I'm like, if that's true, why is that mountain there but there's not one here? And why is there this valley but there's not one there? And why does this land look like this and that land look like that? And It's like, it makes no sense other than there's an architect or a creator who put it there. The mountains rose, the valleys sank down in the place, oh, the place that God appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass so that they may not again cover the earth. You, You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them The birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches from your lofty abode. You water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. The wisdom of God. Birds get drinks. (laughs) Animals that you don't even know that exist get drinks. And God does it all by his infinite wisdom. And yet here we are as the people of God and we worry about whether or not we're going to make it. Trust the wisdom of God. He can make everything work for your good. All of these things declare his glory. And then I would also say the heavens declare his knowledge. He says in the last line of verse 20, and the clouds drop down the dew. Now, I will tell you that the Hebrew word for dew here most likely means a gentle rain. In Psalms 104, again, just one verse. Oh Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. In regards to the universe, Charles Bridge says this in regards to the universe. The earth is its pavement and the heavens its ceiling. Now, this story is worth reading. You may have heard it at some point in life. But it is mind-boggling about the heavens how they declare the glory of God. So let me read this story. It was written by Dr. John Piper many years ago, or not too awful long ago, but several years back. And think about this story. It goes like this. Picture yourself as a farmer in the Near East, far from any lake or stream. A few wells keep the family and animals supplied with water. But if the crops are to grow and the family is to be fed from month to month, well, water has to come on the fields from another source. From where? Well, you see, the sky. The sky? Water is going to come out of the clear blue sky? Well, not exactly. Water's going to have to be carried in the sky from the Mediterranean Sea for several hundred miles, and then it'll be poured out from the sky onto the fields. Carried? How much does it weigh? Well, if one inch of rain falls on one square mile of farmland during the night, that would be 27,878,400 cubic feet of water. Which is 206,300,160 gallons. Which is 1,650,501,280 pounds of water. Man, that's heavy. How does it get up in the sky? And how does it stay up there if it's so heavy? Well, evaporation. Right? Really? Really? That's a nice word. What's it mean? Well, it means that water sort of stops being water so it can go up and not down. Oh, I see. Well, then how does it get down? Well, that's condensation. What's that? Well, you see, water starts becoming water again by gathering around little dust particles between .00001 and .0001 centimeters wide. That's small. What about the salt? Salt? Well, yeah, the Mediterranean Sea is salt water. That that would kill all the crops. So what about the salt? Oh, we take that out. Take it out? So the sky is going to pick up a billion pounds of water from the sea, take the salt out, carry it 300 miles, dump it on the farm. Well, it doesn't dump it. If it dumped a billion pounds of water on the farm, well, everything would be crushed. So it just dribbles the billion pounds of water down in little drops. The wisdom of God in order to supply water for the farmland. What a wise God that we have. The Lord's witness, if you will, heaven and earth display his wisdom and knowledge. Heaven and earth were created by the same architect. All things are made through Him, as it says in John one, and not anything is made that was made without Him. Think about the wonders and the beauties of the wisdom of God and the person of His Son. One of the most beautiful passages in Scripture, Colossians one. We find in Colossians one verse thirteen, that or one fourteen, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all things are created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. You say, what am I supposed to do with all of this information? I don't know. You could marvel at the wisdom of God. You could, on a daily basis as a Christian, look at your surroundings and say, wow. I wish to at least give you a hint of how idolatrous we are. Most of us can gander at an electronic device for hours, and our device will even tell us how many hours we spend on it a day. At the end of the deal, you can hit certain buttons, and it'll say, this was your screen time. and It'll be one hour, 10 hours. I don't want to know what yours is. But It'll tell you that. I want to say, what if God says, what's your creation time? How long have you beheld what I've done from my wisdom and worshipped? We should do that. We should look at my pine tree and know that God is wise. Should. One of my favorite verses I quote it in almost every bicycle race I'm in. It just diffuses the crowd and lets me know who my friends are, right? I start out, we start riding, and I say, Wow, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Hey, don't want to ride with that guy. It's the way she should be, right? There's an old Puritan. I don't know his first name. His last name's Hooker. This is what he says. We're almost done. We'll do communion. But this is what he says. That which moveth God to work is his goodness. That which orders his work is wisdom. That which perfects his work is his own power. All things which God in these times and seasons has brought forth "...were eternally and before all time in God, as a work unbegun is in the artificer, which afterwards bringeth it into effect. Therefore, whatsoever we do behold now in this present world, it was enwrapped within the bowels of divine mercy." It was written in the book of eternal wisdom. It was held in the hands of omnipotent power, the foundations of the earth being as yet unlaid. They were all with him, so that all things which God hath made are in that respect the offspring of God. They are in him as effects in their highest cause. He likewise is actually in them, the assistance and influence of, of his deity is their life. When you believe stuff like that, that's why you get in trouble in school when you get aggravated and tell the teacher you don't know what they're talking about in this evolution business because when they talk about evolution, they're robbing God of his glory as the creator of all things. It aggravates the Christian to the degree they can't keep their mouth closed. Say, that's not true. I can write your answer down, but by the side note I say, but this is a lie because God created all things. The general revelation of God in creation is sufficient to show man the wisdom of God and to press upon him the need to worship. What God has done in just natural revelation is enough to cause all men to say, I need to worship. The wisdom of God, the work of God, the witness of God is sufficient to show us our need to worship Him. Now, that's a very little bit, but with the understanding of God's wisdom, bringing the entire universe into existence, we now turn our attention to marvel at His majesty in providing His Son as the only means of redemption. The Apostle Paul says, but to those who are called, to Jews and Greeks, Christ is not only the power of God, He is the wisdom of God. He also says, because of Him you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God. As we think about communion tonight, it obviously makes us think about the issue of redemption, body broken, bloodshed, atonement, forgiveness, all of these types of things. And there are people that sometimes will say some weird things like, couldn't there have been another way? I mean, did he have to sacrifice his own son? I mean, Is there not a better way? Is there not a different way? Why why did God design the eternal gospel in such a way that it would mean his own son would bear sinful mankind's burden and pay their penalty in their behalf and be slaughtered on a cross and pour out his blood and, and be laughed at and ridiculed and mocked before the entire world? Why would God design it this way? Surely there's a better way. That type of statement knows nothing of the wisdom of God. Why? Because God is infinitely wise. Because He is. Not because He might be, but because He's infinitely wise, it means this. Whatever He does is the wisest way to do it. So if God designed redemption through the sacrifice of His Son, this is the wisest way to redeem. There's not a better way. There's not another way. This is the only way because the only one who is infinitely wise has said so. And so infinite wisdom has wrote the script this way, that his son would do this, we would believe him, and his son would get all the glory for what he's done in the redemption of humanity. So tonight, I know it's a simple act. You may say, oh, we do the same thing every time. Okay, fine. But when something's right, keep doing it. And so we break bread because we remember the Lord's body broken. We pour a cup because we remember that blood was shed. We do this and we proclaim as a church body, we proclaim his death until he comes. And we're reminded tonight, I remind every one of you and I remind myself, I need to be reminded our sins are forgiven. I need to be reminded Christ will return. I need to be reminded this is not all that there is. I need to be reminded there's hope, there's future, there's an eternal glory. All of those things are true in the gospel. I get caught up in all of the world, and I need to be reminded of what's real, what's eternal, what's comforting, what's sustaining, what's hopeful, what's helpful. I need to know about Christ almost every time I go to the hospital with my own dad, with Whoever else it may be, we get in there and we're getting ready to do all this thing, and everybody's all nervous and everybody's all scared about all these things. And say, The only thing I know to read is Colossians 1. He is the image of the invisible God, He is preeminent over all things. And I say, All I know to do is tell you to look to Christ, because all of our help is found in Him. So let's take a moment and pray. You come to repentance and faith, you've been baptized by immersion. And I would invite you to partake of communion tonight. You've not repented, you've not believed and been baptized. And I would ask you to refrain from taking communion tonight. We'll take a moment and pray. Prepare your hearts. Light the candles. Prepare the table. And then in just a moment, uh, we will serve uh, the meal.